You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Michael Meyer. He's manager for training in the LCMS World Relief and Human Care Disaster Response. Pastor Meyer, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a while since we've talked about uh, disasters, and maybe it's because none of them, there have been no disasters, or because everything is one big disaster. Uh, I'm not sure which way to look at it, but um, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk about disasters. And I imagine there are many disasters probably that have been overlooked because of the the overarching crisis of the pandemic. Um, What what disasters have occurred in the past six months to a year that maybe have been overlooked because of the pandemic? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I'm not so sure that that many of them have been completely overlooked, right? Sure. That, but certainly did not receive the attention that they would have uh, in a normal year. Um, last year, a, f- a few a few disasters kind of come to my mind. Uh, we had a, a big derecho come through mm. uh, eastern Illinois uh, last summer. Uh, and for the, the listeners who don't know what a derecho is, it's really uh, a significant and super strong straight line winds that are uh, uh, that come with the uh, you know big thunderstorms. Sometimes there's tornadoes that come out of it, but the effect of it is really like an inland hurricane. So you have 120 mile an hour winds that just blow through entire areas. And this hit uh, uh, eastern Iowa, particularly the uh, the Cedar Rapids area and a little bit south and, and west of uh, Cedar Rapids was was hit very, very hard and it destroyed millions of acres of cornfields. Uh, and of course, where there weren't cornfields, there were homes uh, that, uh, that were impacted. Some lost their roofs. Uh, the biggest impact, though, that we were in, that we ended up responding to were uh, down to trees, so just thousands and thousands of trees across eastern Iowa, which were uh, blown over because of this wind. So we had chainsaw teams, not as many as we would in a normal year, uh, but we did activate some of our uh, uh, chainsaw groups to respond uh, through the the district there and uh, through the local congregations. That's kind of one of the the, the bigger ones that happened over the summer. Uh, and then as we go into the late summer, early fall. Uh, we had a series of hurricanes uh, named storms that that hit the the, the Gulf Coast area, particularly uh, Louisiana. We had Hurricane Laura uh, that hit uh, at the end of August, and then only two weeks later, uh, Hurricane Sally uh, hit uh, about 150 miles away. And then there was a third hurricane uh, that hit that that took almost the same track as Hurricane Laura into the Lake Charles area of western Louisiana uh, in the, the, the Golden Triangle area of Texas along the Gulf Coast, right right where those two states kind of come together. Uh, and we had uh, uh, we set up volunteer camps in uh, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And there were uh, a large, well, not a large number, of, uh, but a, a good number of uh, Texans came to uh, uh, respond there, but then they also were camping out and helping in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area of Texas. So uh, th- those are the the big ones that came to mind uh, as we were uh, thinking through some of these. That, I mean, they, they received some attention, but 
you know, when, when uh, just the last year, as everybody knows, COVID has taken over the headlines, uh, not to mention we had going into the uh, August, September and October timeframes, uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, there was a lot of news about the political uh, directions of the uh, the country as well that kind of overshadowed many of these disasters and we thankfully we were able to uh, still respond in a salutary way giving grants to uh, local congregations for some local volunteer coordination for uh, the providing of uh, equipment and personal protective equipment for volunteers to use and for uh, churches that were damaged along the Gulf Coast, some 20 to 30 LCMS churches that that uh, took relatively significant damage. And we were able to give uh, several hundred thousand dollars to these churches to help them uh, repair from the damages. So uh, a, a lot of things there that didn't uh, didn't catch a lot of people's eyes. But because the LCMS has been so incredibly generous with disaster response the last several years, we we were able to respond and be proactive, even though it was kind of on the sidelines. So we didn't we didn't go out and ask a whole bunch of people for for more money because we knew that so many other things were going on. So many people had other uh, other things that they were dealing with because of unemployment and all those other things that were, were happening because of covid. Uh, but we were still able to, to mount a significant response. And I think that that says something to the generosity of, uh, of our members in the LCMS to help make that possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks be to God you are still able to do all of those things. Uh, you're talking through these disasters, and I, I forgot that those happened. But yeah, that those those things were in the news at least for a little bit uh, last year, and, and especially in my, my Facebook feed of friends and, and pastors that were affected by all of that. What are the needs of the people who were affected or who are affected by disasters like this? Well, I mean, a lot of the needs, when, when you're talking about wind events like a derecho or a hurricane, a lot of times the need is uh, debris removal and chainsaw work as they're cleaning up trees. You know, a lot of storm chasers come in. And by storm chasers here, we uh, I'm talking about uh, maybe some unscrupulous uh, uh, contractors who come in and want to charge local, uh, want to charge families and widows at just exorbitant rates. And now, don't get me wrong; I don't think all contractors do that. I think there's a, a lot of them out there that uh, 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 faithfully fulfill their responsibilities, and they're doing a good service, and they do it for reasonable amounts and don't take advantage of people in the situation. But there are some out there, a few bad apples that. Uh, uh, that uh, take advantage of people and use this as a time to uh, to say, well, I'm going to charge three or four or even 10 times the normal rate to remove a tree. So we've had families get quotes to, uh, for tree removals, uh, a single tree and it'll, uh, that's already on the ground. And just to remove the debris that a, a company wants to charge them $10,000. Well, we have volunteers that can come in and we'll, they'll do it for free, uh, safely. Uh, because they're trained and they've, they're experienced and they, uh, they want to give of their time uh, to do this, uh, not to pat themselves on the back, but to uh, uh, point people towards the local congregation where uh, they can receive the forgiveness of sins. Because, well, it's, 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 it's nice to be able to help somebody in their body, but if we can help them in their souls at the same time, that's, that's the real reason for getting out there and doing that. So that's a big part of it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of individuals were having, and uh, churches, uh, we're struggling with uh, insurance deductibles. Uh, 
because uh, with the name Storm, particularly on the Gulf Coast, uh, uh, it's very difficult to find uh, reasonably priced insurance. Some insurance providers don't uh, uh, don't cover hurricanes. You have to have a special rider in order to uh, to cover that. And when you do get it, uh, after you pay the uh, uh, significant premiums for that, uh, they'll only uh, they'll only cover after you know the the deductible is different. That's why I'm I'm trying trying to find the best way to put it. So uh, some homeowners and churches churches might have a thirty or seventy thousand dollar deductible that they have to meet before insurance kicks in and pays for anything, and that can be a significant hit on a on a on a congregation. So we were able to step in and help uh, some church workers uh, and uh, some congregations uh, bridge the gap for some of those financial needs. How prepared were we to respond to these disasters when it comes to having volunteers or resources to respond to these disasters? You, you shared a little bit already about um, some of the responses to disasters. What about the trained volunteers and, and those types of resources? Yeah, we have, I mean, we have a, just, we have thousands and thousands of trained volunteers. But as you know, uh, last fall and uh, at, at, in the middle of the summer, I mean, we, the, the country, there was a lot of a lot of states in almost total lockdown where it was uh, uh, they were being people were being discouraged to do any kind of travel. Uh, and so, uh, believe it or not, we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of Lutherans in the Baptist heavy uh, 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 states of uh, Louisiana, Alabama and uh, Mississippi and that in that area. I mean, there, we, we have uh, strong, faithful congregations there, uh, but they're just very much spread out. Uh, so uh, we, we, while we do have a lot of volunteers, there, there, there was a, a tempering of uh, uh, the desire of some of them to, uh, to get out and travel across, you know, uh, four or 500 miles and stay someplace. We took precautions, of course, with uh, our volunteer camps where we had uh, – uh, the ability to uh, socially distance uh, where they were staying, and uh, we uh, were able to provide uh, a shower unit there that was cleaned regularly and dis- you know sanitized. Uh, but it did impact uh, uh, some people's uh, desire to get out and help. And frankly, I mean that was a time when uh, uh, just about everybody in the country wasn't sure yet. Uh, how significant COVID was going to be and how severe it might be or the impact on, you know, me and my family and what that's going to mean. So there was a lot of a lot of that. And I, that's understandable. Uh, so I, I think right now we're starting to see kind of a little bit of a change in some of that. But uh, still last last summer and even into the fall, uh, we 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 uh, it was one of those challenges that we we knew we were going to uh, be experiencing. But seeing how, how significant of an impact that was, was, was still a little surprising. Hmm. I want to talk more about the, the role that volunteers play and particularly training for volunteers as well. We'll do that in just a moment. Today, we're talking with Reverend Michael Meyer, LCMS, World Relief and Human Care Disaster Response. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart. 
to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with the Reverend Michael Meyer. He's manager for training for LCMS, World Relief and Human Care Disaster Response. And uh, we were talking about uh, a little bit about volunteers and the the role that they play in responding to disasters. And you mentioned that uh, we have thousands of volunteers who are who are trained to respond. Has training resumed um, now that uh, things have hopefully changed a little bit in in the course of the pandemic, ha- have you resumed training for volunteers? We have resumed that training. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to take a few months for us to get fully back up to the speed that we were at at uh, the end of 2019. But uh, we, we're, we've certainly resumed it. Uh, we've, uh, we've led a couple of trainings, one in Iowa. We've had other uh, trainings that the districts are, are engaging in down in Texas and uh, Alabama and Florida, Georgia. They've uh, put on a few trainings as well. We've got a future training scheduled down in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. Uh, and uh, we're start starting to get some chainsaw trainings on the books now, too, since we just finished our uh, uh, chainsaw manual, and that's going to print uh, officially here uh, in the next month. So, yeah, training is resuming, and it's uh, a little less uh, uh, numbers. Again, people are easing into it, and that's understandable. We uh, at, at all of these events, we're still uh, encouraging uh, the following of CDC regulations and guidelines that uh, 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 groups gather and they and they do it safely following those local those local guidelines. What actually goes into a training? If someone attends a disaster response training, what do they actually learn? Well, the content of that training it's a it's a several hours on a Saturday. The congregation hosts it, and they agree to provide lunch and everything like that for the participants. The first part of the training focuses on kind of a congregational awareness and preparedness side of things. We talk about uh, the the biblical reasons for why a church should be concerned for people who are suffering. Uh, we also talk about how. Uh, our concern and the, the things that we do, how it manifests itself a little differently, maybe than what you would find in a secular organization. So we talk about caring for people in body and in soul, not just not just in their body. Uh, and then we we talk about how congregations can engage locally in their own communities if something were to happen, and also, frankly, uh, how to engage in their own community on a regular basis. Period, even when there's not a disaster going on. Uh, because we don't want our we don't want our volunteers and our people to think, well, we'll just we're just going to wait around for a disaster that that may or may not happen in the future. Well, no, our 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 neighbors, I mean, they're in they're in need now. So how can we identify some of those needs, uh, care for them, show love for them, proclaim the gospel in the midst of that, uh, while also kind of keeping our skills uh, uh, sharp, so that when we when we are uh, called on for a disaster, we can we can go help that neighbor who's in an extraordinary need. Uh, so the second half of the training then focuses on uh, safety and equipment. It, ta- it talks about our Lutheran early response team program in general, what what a local team can look like, what 
what kind of things they can find themselves doing uh, in a disaster and outside of a disaster. So that's kind of how we split it up. Now, I've heard that uh, occasionally you have some fun with training, too. Is that true? <laughs> we try to have fun. You know, all work and no play makes for a dull time. <laughs> and dull chainsaws are never good. That's right. You want to change those uh, chains out quickly if they dull or sharpen them. So I think you're leading into – we had this, this last weekend. I heard a rumor, yes. <laughs> there was a rumor, yeah. We had uh, uh, the first ever LCMS chainsaw games. Uh, it was uh, intended to be a, uh, a fun opportunity for some of our, our chainsaw trainers to gather, to hone their skills uh, and engage in some friendly competition. So we were, uh, we were asking them to uh, fell some trees, to, uh, to do particular kinds of cuts. And we had some speed tests as well uh, for uh, cutting, uh, cutting logs, all safely, of course. Uh, and, uh, uh, we had uh, representatives from eight different districts participate with us this last weekend. Uh, just had a lot of fun with these uh, individuals. And now they have a framework for something that they can take back to their own districts uh, and uh, uh, provide one more way that they can engage their people uh, to help train them, but also kind of generate some excitement around this, uh, this uh, concept of serving their neighbor with a, with a chainsaw, uh, and then being able to do this uh, long-term with disaster too. It's, it's oh, I feel like there needs to be some like uh, LCMS chainsaw games live streamed and maybe some like children's books <laughs> about the epic uh, LCMS chainsaw people out of this. Yeah, I'm all on board. Let's talk with Concordia uh, uh, Publishing House and see if we can get an arch book for the chainsaw games. I, I mean, why not? <laughs> what What is so crucial about having people trained? I mean, we're joking about this, but what what is so important about having these people trained with chainsaws to go uh, to go serve after a disaster? Well, first, I mean, we're we're able to, in the name of Christ, serve our neighbor and help them save literally tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and 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 homeowners, they ask our our volunteers, "Why are you doing this?" you're not getting anything out of this. Why are you doing this? Uh, and uh, it gives them an opportunity to simply confess the love that Christ has shown them and how it overflows now to the neighbor, right? Uh, and so this love then drives them to serve their neighbor. Uh, and so there's all these opportunities to uh, confess that to people in need. And look, we're not asking you to come to church. This is not contingent upon you uh, uh, putting an offering in the uh, in an envelope in the offering plate, but this is simply our love for you because we, we, we know and see that you are hurting and we are motivated now to help you uh, and uh, help alleviate that, that suffering. So that's, that's part of it on the need for the, the, the chainsaw work, but then at the set, the other end, the importance of the training side. I mean, it's the chainsaw can be a very dangerous tool. So we want to make sure that uh, our people are using it safely and not putting themselves or homeowners in uh, in harm's way or at risk of you know uh, damaging property further than it already is. So the importance of doing that uh, safely is so incredibly important. And it's kind of like if uh, uh, riding a bike or uh, you, you, you kind of remember how to do it. But if you don't exercise these skills, they do they do dull. They do uh, they, they they do uh, uh, 
you, you can lose it to a certain extent. And so being able to regularly, a couple of times a year, get out and uh, exercise those, it keeps those muscles fresh. How can volunteers and potential volunteers stay informed about the training and serving opportunities through the LCMS? Well, you, they can always check our website. They can follow us on Facebook, LCMS Disaster Response. Uh, but just recently, in the last month, we've unrolled a new software program uh, for managing our volunteers and, and scheduling our training and our deployments, so our responses. Uh, so uh, anyone can go to lcms-lert, that's L-E-R-T, dot org, lcms-lert, dot org. And right there on that main page, you can see you can click on a, a volunteer button and you can see a map of put with push pins of all the places that we have uh, trainings and responses, deployments scheduled. Right now, we're just kind of populating or building the system. Uh, there's about eight or nine districts that are fully live in this. You can sign into the site and you can see access and you can sign up for all of these events if you want. You can see where other people have signed up. Uh, you can get automatic notifications from your district that uh, uh, a, a new training, for example, has been scheduled. It'll send you an email and ask you if you'd like to join with that and participate. So that's a good place. We have a blog post on there as well that uh, you can read through some of our uh, most recent uh, blog posts that talk about, uh, you know, some updates maybe on the chainsaw games or a particular response or the importance of gift cards, those kind of things. So we're we're starting to use that site to, to kind of gather all of our volunteers, give them a, a clearinghouse, so to speak, for, for being able to find this information and then also engage uh, with that information. Where are their needs today for volunteers or for response, uh, for help with disaster response? Well, uh, about a month, month and a half ago, there was a series of storms that, that went through uh, uh, central Alabama, just uh, east and northeast of Birmingham, uh, and then also west of Birmingham as well, near the Tuscaloosa area. Uh, so we have a, an active response to those tornadoes down there. If you're interested, we we can we have information on our uh, lcms-lert.org site. Uh, you could also contact us, and we could get you information on how to in, engage and help out with that. So that's really our only current active response. Um, and it's that one's kind of winding down too. And thanks be to God that uh, at least so far, we haven't gotten into the meat of uh, tornado season. And we're praying that uh, uh, that we don't have to use that software too much for the response side of things here in the next couple of months. It sounds like uh, disaster response has certainly been still very active and busy as much as possible in the, the past year. Re- uh, in spite of all the other things that have been going on with the pandemic. A- and I know that 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 uh, these disasters, as well as the, the pandemic itself, has, has really taken a toll on pastors. How does mercy work include caring for our pastors? Well, as you know, uh, pastors are sent to care for the flock, the sheep of God. Uh, and yet when pastors are struggling for one reason or another because of stress or something that's going on, and particularly the last year we think about COVID and all the, all the stressors that that brought on for 
uh, uh, men in the office of the Holy Ministry as they deal with congregations who are kind of split, uh, you know, where some some are convinced that they're going to that they, they'll never go back to church if the church requires masks. Others in the same congregation will never go back to church if the church does not require masks. Right. And pastors here are are sent to care for both of these groups within the congregation and deal with the fallout relationally. Uh, and so the, the stressors of, of that really can bear down uh, and burden a, uh, an individual. So the Office of National Mission uh, recently, just at the, the about in December, uh, maybe November, we gave a, a rather large grant to uh, Doxology to provide respite retreats for pastors uh, in the midst of this COVID pandemic. They don't have to have, have, to have had uh, COVID or uh, have uh, a congregation that might have closed on account of it, uh, but simply pastors who are feeling that weight during this time can turn to, to, this, to these conferences. They've, they've been named Take Heart, uh, uh, so care and uh, courage uh, in the midst of this uh, pandemic. And it's a three-day retreat, two nights. Uh, all expenses uh, for the retreat itself are being covered by this grant. Uh, and there's uh, uh, Doxology is scheduling out about 15 of these uh, this year. About four of them have already, maybe maybe six uh, have already happened. And so there's another nine. You can go to their website, doxology.us, and you can see right on the top of their website, there's a banner that says, Take Heart or uh, pandemic resources and you can you can find uh, how to register on their website for these conferences and like i said free of charge for the conference itself a pastor just needs to find one that's close enough to them that they can manage uh, and get there and back and every every single person you know we've i've I've seen uh, almost all of the reviews uh, 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 and responses from pastors after this just hands down uh, positive responses from those that are attending. Doxology.us is the website to find more of the information on those Take Heart retreats for pastors. I checked it out the other day for our pastor, and it just looks uh, amazing and very peaceful, and um, I wish we had them for all of us. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Pastor Meyer, for sharing with us an update on uh, disaster response and the great work that you and so many volunteers and and the other folks in disaster response are doing as well, and the districts. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thanks for having me. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere.